Welcome to another exciting word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? Yeah, I know I can hear you and all of you also watching church online. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to, to turn to the book of Jude, the book of Jude. It's all the way back toward Revelation. You'll find it if you just keep turning to the right, all right? The book of Jude. The, today's sermon is entitled, The World Without God. The World Without... Can you imagine a world without God? Well, unfortunately, it's where a lot of people live. They live in a world without God. While you are finding the book of Jude, there's only one chapter. It's a very small book. Let me read a scripture from Romans, the 10th chapter. Uh, verse 3 says this, For they, uh, talking about people who live in a world, who have made their world a world without God, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see, God offers us an opportunity to be right with Him. We choose if we are going to invite God into our world or if we are going to create a world without God. If we're going to create a family that has no knowledge, no embrace of God's plan, of God's purpose, of the presence of God. You know, some of you who, who have been following Jesus for a period of time, you cannot imagine what it would be like to raise your family and for your family to never have experienced the presence of God. To never have had a family prayer time. To where you and your spouse, your children, your, your, your parents have come together around a family altar and there felt the presence of God. The keeping, the abiding, the witness of God in your family. But some people raise families without God. Some people, it's quite normal, quite natural for them to establish their own standards of righteousness. I heard Pastor Marcus uh, preaching in the first service this morning. And, and by the way, let me uh, pitch him for the first service. And if you would like to get uh, uh, you know, a fresh word on an early Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., right here, our first service, Pastor Marcus is preaching a series on the armor of God and this morning uh, it was the breastplate of righteousness you know he did not know and I was uh, yet unaware that we both were covering the same topic today just from different angles but that's often the case because God is saying something to us he's saying the same thing to us that he said to people to the whole world in the days of Noah get right with God righteousness is important I heard Pastor Marcus talk about being a young man and uh, he and his friends whenever he was a young man they loved basketball but but he didn't have the height 
really at that time he does now and he plays and coaches ball but but at that point he did not you know he he was not able to do what he wanted to do on the basketball court so he and his friends uh, pastor marcus I'm, I'm 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 talking to you been you've been up checking on the children hadn't you yeah Pastor Marcus uh, uh, talked about when he was a young man, he and his friends, he didn't have the height. You know, they, they wanted to dunk the basketball. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the, oh, you know, the thrill of dunking. He said, so what they did is they just lowered the goal. And once they lowered the goal, they could all get out there and act like champions. Yeah, you know, dunking on one another, you know, or wow, you know, and, you know. Air dunks, you know, wow, yeah, and it made them feel like somebody. I mean, oh, and in their own little circle, they were somebody. Wow, but all they did was lower the standard, and they felt successful, and that's what people do when it comes to righteousness. That's what we have a tendency to do. Everyone wants to be right. Who in the world wants to be wrong? You know, I, I cannot imagine someone just saying, you know, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be wrong. That's my goal. I want to be wrong. You know, I want to be, you know, the stupidest person on the block. No, no one wants to do it. Everyone wants to be right. And so many times in order to be right, especially when we get together with our peers, we will lower the standard of what is right. We will lower the goal of what it takes to be right, to be okay. You know, but lowering the standard, once you step into the real world, once you step into God's world, I'm sorry, but... Someone else has set the standard. God has set the standard of right, wrong. God is the one, you know, not the NBA, but, but God is the one who has set the standard. And moving the standard, whether we move it higher or lower, is still a false goal. That's what... Paul said in Romans, the 10th chapter, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, for them not really having a conscious consideration, not really understanding that God has set a standard of what is right and to please him is what is right. They have gone about to set their own righteousness, trying to achieve their own goals and Therefore, they have never submitted themselves to God's standard. Let me ask you right here at the beginning of the message. Have you submitted yourself to God's standards? Because what he says is wrong is wrong. No matter how many people get together and lower that standard or raise that standard. What God wants, what pleases God, is right. He is the one that gets to decide eternally. And He is the one who has set the standards for our conduct. Righteousness comes through pleasing God.
Have you found the book of Jude yet? Okay. That's where we were headed. This was not even in my notes. I just thought I would throw it in because Pastor Marcus, you know, um, um, made me think uh, how important it was for us to realize that there is a standard. It's God's standard. Jude, there's only one chapter. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Uh, verse 3. Jude, uh, by the way, uh, you know, we don't really know exactly 100% who Jude was. Most people and most scholars believe that he was probably an apostle, but he doesn't claim to be an apostle. He does claim to be the brother of James, which was probably an apostle or maybe the pastor of the first church. But at any rate, him claiming to be the brother of James was enough credibility in that day and in our day as we look back in a scholarly approach to know that this is the Word of God, inspired Word of Almighty God. And Jude is saying this, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. I like the way this New Living Translation puts this, and I've, I've, I've studied it. It, 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 it. it makes a good verbal application of the intent of the writer to say, I desired, I meant to, I was going to write to you about something, but now there's an urgency in my spirit, and I need to write to you that you contend, that you defend, that you stand strong in the faith that God has entrusted to His holy people. Verse 4, I say this because... Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Doesn't that make you a little afraid? I mean, this is a 2,000-year-old you know, letter. I'm writing to you of an urgency to make sure that you defend the faith that God has spoken from heaven. The common salvation we all share depends upon the truth being maintained. And I'm writing this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches changing the standards. I, you know, moving the standards, moving the goals, lowering the standards. Some have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Wow. Are you all still with me today? Boy, isn't this good preaching? Jude was doing good, wasn't he? Man, can't you just see that? Can you back up a moment, look at the world, take yourself and put yourself on a shelf and look at the world objectively? Because if you're just looking at you, you may not want to listen anymore. Because it can feel like it's stepping on toes sometimes. Okay, So remove the fear, back up, look objectively, not, uh, not accusationally. Don't start putting names 
in those blanks, okay? But he says, some people have wormed their way. They have, they have strategically continued, you know how a worm does, to wiggle in tightly into places to where now they are firmly entrenched in the system and they are, are, are saying that the marvelous grace of God, God is so good, so loving, so kind, and so caring that he does not care how you live. Wow. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You know, making Jesus your Savior is one thing. Making Him your Lord is another thing. And what they have denied is the Lordship of Jesus. They haven't denied the salvation of Christ through his blood and forgiveness of sins, but they have denied his lordship, saying that I can live any way I want. I can lower the standard. I can create my own standard of righteousness. And I can be right with God while living in what the Bible calls sin. Verse 11, what sorrow awaits them. For they follow in the footsteps of Cain. Y'all remember Cain? Cain was the, you know, one of the you know, primary characters of our last week's Sunday message from Genesis chapter 4. You remember Cain killed his brother Abel. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain. You remember Cain, he lived in the land of Nod. He lived outside of the presence of God. Outside. He lived in the world, but he lived in a world without God. He lived in a world without God's plan for his life, without embracing God's purpose, and without realizing the presence of God was right there with him. What sorrow awaits for the following the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. There's no preacher that would do that. I'm so glad we don't live in Jude's day. Can you imagine living 2,000 years ago whenever there were people who had wormed their way into the church and acted like Balaam and just deceived people for money? Whew. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. It's evident that they are going against what God wants. Verse 14. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones. <laughs> holy ones. You know, uh, basically, he's saying, sorry guys, but this is going to be the way it is until Jesus comes back with all of his holy angels and the heavenly host and straightens this out once and for all. This word still is true today. And we are still awaiting the coming of the Lord to fix it all. Wow. Allow me to put it all together uh, to make the point that I believe God wants to make today. All of the evil, all of the hurt, all of the pain that you see in the world around us is nothing new. 
Okay? We're not living in a day when there's something new. In fact, Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. Okay? Uh, uh, it began, all of this pain and problems and all of these things, the, the, it began with Cain. When Cain, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, whenever Cain killed his brother Abel, when Cain rebelled, when Cain did what he wanted, when Cain lowered the standard of what God said we should do and be, and he killed his brother Abel. Uh, it's, it's been continuing for generations. As I said last Sunday's message, the land of Nod was taken from Genesis chapter 4. And uh, Cain killed Abel, and then Cain went out to live in a world without God, to live in this world, our world. And he just lived outside of the presence of God. He just lived outside of being convicted of his sin. He never repented. There's no indication. Uh, in fact, there's every indication he did not repent. The land of Nod is a world without God, a world in which people, um, uh, they, they do not praise God. They do not acknowledge his purpose. They do not live according to his plan. And they do not feel his presence. It is a world without God. And people live in that world today. Many people have created a world that God is not a part of their world. God is not a part of their workplace. You know, just because you go to a place that you may consider secular and it's a business does not mean you have to leave Jesus at home. You know, you don't want to be in a workplace without God. In fact, you may be the only witness, the only one there who brings God to work. Who brings God, you know, to the relationships you have. Who brings God to the friendships. You can do that. You know, um, it's very simple. Abel, Adam and Eve's second son, Abel pleased God. He did what God wanted him to. You know? Cain displeased God. And Cain hated Abel. I mean, he hated him. Why? Because he was evil. Uh, uh, and, and he hated Abel because Abel was righteous. I'm sorry, but the world does not like people who are righteous. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 29.10. The Bible calls uh, these people bloodthirsty. Now, not everyone you run into is bloodthirsty, but we still run into bloodthirsty people. We run into people who are evil, people who are wicked, people who live without God. I thank my God that most of the people I run into love Jesus. I walked into Whataburger on Nederland Avenue here in Nederland just a few days ago, and, and there was a, a two women standing at the register. One was training the other, and, 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 and they said to me, how's it going? I said, oh, this is the day the Lord has made. And one of the ladies who was the trainer repeated back, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I said, yes, we shall. They said, tell me what you want. I told them, and they made me the best burger I have had in years. <laughs> you know, we run into people who love Jesus all the time. Don't let the bad experiences keep you from being the light that people need. 
So many times when I walk into a place, someone will ask me how you're doing, and this is what I say to them. I say, you know, since I got heaven and hell settled, I've, I've been at the top of my game ever since. It opens up a door of opportunity for me to witness or for them to respond. And when they don't respond, I know they need more prayer. I know that they may be in a place, they may live in a world without God. But I refuse to live in a world without God. I refuse to go to the grocery store without God. I refuse to go, you know, to anywhere without God. The plan of God cannot be stopped because some people live in a world without God. God gave Adam and Eve another son. Why? Because his plan couldn't be stopped. We read about it last week. We read about Seth. The word Seth means appointed. It means to be put in the place of. And that's what God did. God put Seth in the place of Abel so that the promise of God could be realized through him that one day a Messiah would be born that would bruise Satan's head, would take from him the keys of death and hell, and would offer salvation to all mankind. Ever since Cain killed his brother Abel, there have been two lines of people in the earth. There have been a line of people who followed Cain and live in a world without God. And there's a line of people who followed God and called upon the name of the Lord. We read that last, last uh, uh, um, week. Let me, let me show you their lineage, okay? If you'll look here on the screen, these are the descendants of Adam and Eve. Those who lived in the land of Nod, Cain, he had a son named Enoch. Okay? Now, there are two Enochs in the Bible. There are two Enochs here. This is not the Enoch that you may be thinking about. The word Enoch means to be trained up. Okay? What was this Enoch trained up in? He was trained in what his daddy did. He watched his daddy. He had a son named Ered, he had a son named Mahuliel, he had a son named Methuselah, and had a son named Lamech. Okay, we got that in the lineage? Okay, then there was Abel, who was killed. Then there was Seth. Seth had a son named Enos, Enos had a son named Canaan, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, and then Jared had a son named Enoch, trained up. You see, both of these lineages had people who were trained up. Trained up how? Trained up according to their father's ways. Trained up according to the world they lived in. Do you know our children are no different than their children? Our children are trained up in the world we create for them. In the world we provide for them. There are children upstairs in our children's church right now being trained up in the ways of the Lord to call upon God, to be encouraged to take God to their schools, to be encouraged to not live in a world without God. Both of these lines had Enoch's, okay? Uh, uh, and each one of them followed in his father's footsteps. What about Lamech? Well, what was Cain? What was Cain? He was a murderer. Well, Genesis 4, verse 23 says, Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man. 
Woe. For wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain can be avenged sevenfold, if, if seven generations back, six generations back, if my grandfather Cain can be avenged, I'll be avenged 77-fold. You see, here Lamech didn't care about anything other than his own vindication. Not one mention of bless that guy's family, bless that guy's heart, let's pray for him, let's lead him, let's call upon the name of the Lord, let's ask for forgiveness, let's pray, let's see if we can know, uh-uh, just, hmm, look at me. You know, I am my father's son. Purely selfish. Lamech had no concern for anything other than himself. Why? Because he lived in a world and was raised in a world without God. This is just simple reading of the Bible. Whereas seven generations after Seth, seven generations after Adam through Seth, we find that those who called upon the name of the Lord, look in Genesis 5, verse 23. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch, this is the Enoch through Seth, the man who called upon the name of the Lord. Seven generations of calling upon the name of the Lord. Guess what? The seventh generation, Enoch. Woo! Verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Boy, that's what seven generations of calling upon the name of the Lord will do. God will just get so happy with you and so close to you and, and just want to be with you so much. And you walk with God and he walked with God and one day God just said, you don't have to die. Come here, buddy. Come on, me and you are friends. Woo! That's a little bit different than the seventh generation of a world without God. That's what seven generations of a world with God will do for you. Calling upon the name of the Lord versus living outside of the presence, not having God in your family. Uh, what's the truth about these things? Well, the truth is it happens every day. There are still two lines. Proverbs 26, verse, or 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child the way, in, in, in the way they should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Listen, it has always been critical in every generation, including the times we live in, to lead our children by example. And what am I asking you to do? It's very simple. Very, very simple. I'm asking you to not force your children to bear your sins. To carry your burdens and iniquities. I'm asking you to get right with God and to not lower the standards of righteousness so that you are somebody but with God a sinner. Lamentations 5 verse 7 says, Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquities. Yes, we do. We are living in a nation built upon all the things our former fathers did and did not do. They did some great things, but they did some horrible things. We're living in a world that's much of it without God. We cannot afford for our nation to lower the standards and to say sin is okay, especially in the church. Listen to me, preachers. You know, 
this, this month, so far, so far in November, the last, the last figures I got is that over 5,000 of you have gone to easysermons.com this month. More than 5,000 to get sermon notes. Okay? Well, read these really good. Okay? And don't allow yourself to lower the standards in your pulpit, in your church, trying to get everybody in. It's still the blood of Jesus Christ. It's still needing a Savior without which you go to hell. It is still a repentance towards God and an embracing of a new life. It's all in. And righteousness is a standard God sets. Amen? Are y'all, are y'all aware that people all over the world, all over the world come here? I mean, people from, from China, even though they can't, they use VPNs. Even though they're not allowed. People, you know, from North Korea, pastors wanting to read, you know. In fact, do you know the pastors of our Port Arthur church? When Monica, Pastor Monica Barraza, when she pastored in California, she went to Easy Sermons for her sermon notes. The whole time she pastored, she was preaching the sermons written here by me and preached here by me. And then God sent them from California out of that gang life, saved her husband, got them you know, after 14 years in prison, and sent them here to help open up a restaurant over in Beaumont. And they came and visited our church, drove by our church, visited, never left. And it was probably, uh, you know, they were here two or three years before I mentioned Easy Sermons. You know, you can find my notes on easysermons.com. Easy Sermons, one word, Easy Sermons. She looked it up. She said, oh, my goodness. She showed it to him. Then she came and told me after church, I didn't know this was you. I've been preaching your sermons. You know, isn't that crazy? Well, preach this one, okay? Preach this one. Don't lower the standards, okay? Don't lower the standards. Don't raise them. Don't make it hard to be saved. You know, my my daddy was an alcoholic, Sis, I love you. God bless you. My dad was an alcoholic. And he told me after he got his life right with Jesus that with four kids and a wife that was, had, was having nervous breakdowns, we call them, she had had enough, all she could take with a drunk husband and four kids and no money and living, you know, geographical cures. I, I went to four schools in the third grade, Oklahoma, Fort Worth, Lubbock, and Texarkana, and then moved as soon as school was over. Five, you know, my brother was in the 11th grade, four different schools, geographical cures. It wasn't easy. We moved into a house, moving out of Texarkana, uh, in the 60s into a house that did not even have electricity. We didn't have running water for years. Okay, My dad needed Jesus. He went to a church and he walked down the aisle of a church so that he could get saved and give his life to Jesus. And you know what they said to him? His name was Curtis. 
The preacher said to him, Curtis Hammonds, we know who you are. We know you're a sinner. We know what you've done. We know how you live. We know what you are. You have already done too much to be saved. God doesn't want you. You are on your way to hell. You can't be saved. My daddy turned and walked back out that church, and he said this to himself. He said, well, if I'm on my way to hell, I'm going to live like it. If God doesn't want me, what can I do? And so he did. How many more years did my family have to? My mama in 1967 crawled up into a pine tree because she was going crazy and she didn't want to be locked up again. Up in that tree, she cried out to God and said, God, if there's any way you can help me. Her husband passed out at the house, and she just couldn't take any more of it, trying to raise us kids in the top of a pine tree. There, God touched her and filled her with the Holy Ghost. She began to speak in tongues, and she climbed down out of that tree. She didn't even know what it was. Uh, you know, uh, she, it, it, it wasn't a part of her doctrine. And she went back across that field, those acres we had back, back across, and went into the house, and her speaking in tongues woke my dad up, and, and this is their testimony, sobered him up. And he got so scared, he started shaking her and told her she had to stop that. If she didn't stop that, he was going to have to take her and take her to the, to the mental place and, and, and you you know, she's going to be locked back up. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't ever do that again. She stopped it. But something happened in our family. Somehow God got, got into that little crack in our, in, 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 in our shield. And God began to move. And, and my brother at 15 became a Baptist preacher. <laughs> wow, I love him. He's, he's seven years older than I am. My, you know, uh, my whole family serving the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. In about 1981, I was preaching in the church that I'd started. And here came my daddy down the aisle. You know, you don't want to lower their standard. Lord, I don't want to get to heaven and find out all the people I told was going there didn't make it. You know, you don't want to lower the standard because only Jesus saves, but you don't want to make it so high that just because somebody's a sinner, they can't get in. My mama came. I laid my hands on them. My mama, guess what? She started speaking in tongues again. My daddy backed up and looked at her. And they looked at one another, and he said, that's what you were doing back, you know, in, in the 60s. And she said, yeah. You told me not to do it anymore. I haven't. <laughs> you know? Oh, that same God. When I buried my daddy, he'd been sober 12 years. He was an elder in church, and he was a counselor, and he spoke in tongues and laid hands on the sick and prayed, uh, prayed heaven down. You don't have to lower the standards, but you don't want to raise them either. God has established righteousness. I'll conclude with this verse in 1 John, the third chapter. 
you know, somewhere the curse of sin has to be broken in our families. And you can do it. You can do it. You can decide that you're going to do it God's way. That's simple. That's just simple. First uh, uh, John, the third chapter, New Living Translation, by the way. Okay, it says this. We must not be like Cain. <laughs> okay, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? That should be enough. Who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. He killed him because he had been doing what was evil and his brother was doing what was right. And when somebody does what's right, it kind of sheds, sheds a bad light on everybody else, shines a bad light on everybody else. And, 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 and sometimes people feel convicted. But listen, this is no reason to stop letting your light shine. In fact, John goes on to say, verse 13, So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. But don't be like Cain. But don't be surprised when people tell you they don't want to hear it. But as for me and my house, I'm not going to raise my family, my children and my grandchildren in a world without God. I'm not going to you know, go out in the everyday world without God. I encourage you as well. If I could give you a couple of thoughts, takeaways, please take at least one thing away today. Okay? Number one is don't lower the standards. Let God decide what righteousness is. Okay? And don't be critical and condemning of others. Just create a world where you call upon the name of the Lord. Don't live in a world without God. Just refuse to live in a world without God, even if the world hates you. It hated Jesus. Do you know if Jesus was alive on planet earth today, walking around, preaching and teaching, they would crucify him? If Jesus worked at your workplace, they would crucify him. If Jesus shopped at the stores you're shopping at, they would crucify him. Why? Because this is the world. It's a world without God for so many people. And anyone who has God is not always accepted. But put a smile on your face and please let your light shine. Thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.